Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor of Me, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm Madam James. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I guess I'd be a pimp, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sweet Madam Seamus. <laughs> Ponder upon your orb. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, that meme going around all the gaming groups oh. where it shows the wizard pondering his orb <laughs> yeah yeah what book cover was that from i'm sure we can find it as we as we talk mm, yes sorry no that's okay well sure tell me then what what are you <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you okay. drinking obviously <laughs> um okay okay listeners are you ready to hear james complain <laughs> He's, uh, he's going to call me a bastard. Uh, I will, but I'll tell you that it's from a Lord of the Rings Middle Earth Quest, a spy in Isengard. Lord of the Rings game. Oh, it, it is a Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yes, it is. You're right. Yes. Yeah. 1988. Yeah. That was, uh, that was the old Middle Earth role playing system. Uh, yep. So, Any, anyway, um, I, am, a... uh, I, am, I am having a Harston Old Engine Oil Engineer's Reserve Blackest Oil. Uh, blackest ale yes that's it okay first we were just talking about mead so i thought you're going to be having your local mead and that would be me calling you a bastard and i would have meant it but i was prepared for that (laughs) however now i really really mean you fucking bastard (laughs) you great you're not just a you're a great bastard Yay! The Scots go into war fighting the English who are wielding their own bastards. The Scots are wielding great bastards, and you're one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you suck. How how is it besides the mm, noise I heard? (laughs) Oh, damn! I I shit. I was putting it in. uh, I was putting it in the app, and I forgot to actually rate it. (laughs) Oops. I'm guessing you're giving it a. I'd say a four seven five to a five. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna give that one a five. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is. You, you know, if I'm giving it a five, it's a damn good beer. Now the average is three point nine seven. That's some bullshit. That's a lot of bullshit. If you can't give this better than a four, then what the? You you weren't ready for it. <laughs> no shit. Come come back when you develop your palate. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll give my beer at the end of the first part of this episode because there's okay. something special about it. I haven't forgotten. Uh, okay. I wasn't too busy pondering my orb. <laughs> <laughs> Put that away. <laughs> Don't touch this. <laughs> but this episode, to get to get on target, <laughs> yeah, is on two infamous madams. Yay! Yeah. Back at times where. The legality of it still was not perfectly legal, but way more accepted than it is now. Yeah. And I chose specifically two madams because they treated their girls well. They weren't pimps. They weren't nasty. They didn't abuse. The girls were treated super, super well and were allowed to leave when they were ready to leave. And and, and we could talk about this sucks when women back in the day had the opportunity to be a wife, a nurse, or a hooker. Uh-huh obvious social issues that were bullshit back in the day yep the fact that these young ladies could at least find somebody to take care of them was nice because most of the places weren't that decent to the the young ladies there are a lot of sex workers out there who 
are, well, I mean, obviously, I, there are a lot of them that are out there that are actually doing it because they want to, okay, that they're not being trafficked, they're, they're, they don't have a pimp or a madam, they're doing it, you know, I follow a few on social media, you know, I mean, if that's how they want to make their living, I'm not going to tell them not to, you know, as long as they're being safe. Yeah, they've met their clients. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little bit doing that's a little different than being hooked on heroin and forced to walk the streets. Right. Which happens too. But I picked these two because they're more positive and they sort of take place in the uh, kind of more gangstery time. So it kind of has that gangster prohibition feel to them. Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I believe one of them that you're going to talk about actually was around at that time period, was she not? 1920 to 1933 <laughs> there it is <laughs> yeah yeah well here well should we just jump in we should although i, I do want to add uh the, the the beer that i picked because it, it does say on their blackest ale that was one of the reasons i picked it was because the the first one that i think you're going to talk about has a caller for a last name yes my first one is madam brown from Terre Haute, indiana yeah and we, we've talked about Terre Haute, a lot of prohibition things, and, and even some of the brothel type of things uh, in a couple episodes from uh, about a year or so ago, I think now. Yeah. So should I get into my notes? Um, I don't see how we're going to go through the episode without it. Now I'm going to call you a bastard for another reason. <laughs> so, so you're done. Now, now you're a double bastard. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I don't think I've had the double bastard. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. I've had arrogant bastard. That's anyway. The, the, the only one out of those that I like better than the normal and the double bastard is Stone's Lucky Bastard, which I think is a mixture of those two. <laughs> yeah. uh, so okay, beginning in the late 1800s, Terre Haute was notorious for its red light district. In 1916, the city was home to 900 prostitutes and 400 madams. Could give you the ratio, but I'm not gonna. One of the most well-known madams was Edith Brown. She had moved to Terre Haute in 1891 and soon after started her career as a madam at a brothel at 213 Mulberry Street. Um, after I made these notes, I actually found myself in Terre Haute and I actually drove to that location. And of course, the house isn't there. That's sort of a, an area where all the houses are almost all gone and it's now just sort of a, either businesses or, or storage warehouses. Yeah. You can see the spot anyway. In fact, I think that particular spot is an empty field. I believe it is. Yeah. Yes, a uh, law was soon enacted that no brothels were allowed east of 3rd Street. So, Madam Brown acquired 206 North 2nd Street and established Circle or Hotel as a brothel. Okay, that's the location I was thinking of was that, on 2nd Street. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of too, because as soon as I read that, I'm like, nope, that's the one I went by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did go by 213 Mulberry Street too, you know, like Dr. Yeah. Sue says, I think I saw it on Mulberry Street. <laughs> uh, he must have been visiting madame brown's when he wrote that <laughs> but yes uh she established the circle r hotel as a brothel at 206 north second and madame brown's circle r hotel became Terre Haute's finest bordello that featured landscape grounds luxurious furniture and even a tiffany glass chandelier oh duchess <laughs> uh, for those who don't know who might be younger than us Tiffany glass was not even a thing for us, but for our grandparents' age anyway. Yeah. It was like the epitome, or as I would say as a youngster, the epitome of class, of having a, a Tiffany lamp. Yeah. 
Edith May Brown was born May 10th, 1874, on a farm just outside of Paris, Illinois. In 1891, at the age of 17, Edith Brown left her family's farm and headed east, settling in Terre Haute, where she accepted a job as a domestic maid, known then as also known as hired girls. And, okay, maid, I could throw in as a also job for, yeah. for young women at the time, nannies too, you know, stuff. But from there, Brown went on to take a large part in getting Terre Haute nicknamed by many as the original Sin City. Yep. Yeah, so when you talk about Vegas and all those other things, Vegas was just coming up and doing a few things. Terre Haute, oh man, <laughs> with all the gangsters coming down from Chicago and being the crossroads of America, so you could have Chicago, St. Louis, Louisville, Nashville, mm -hmm. this, you know, man all over. And so anyway, in 1901, at 2.13 Mulberry Street in Terre Haute, the former Edgar County resident opened up her first house of prostitution, calling it a ladies' boarding house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, little did she know that from that day forward, she would be forever known as Madame Edith Brown. Mm -hmm. Madame Brown kept her house at Mulberry Street for five years. In 1906, she moved her business to 318 Eagle Street, where she operated her house, house of ill repute for the next 10 years. Yeah. In 1916, tarot leaders attempted to control the prostitution business, approving a rule announcing no body house could reside east of 3rd Street partially because some people would try to come in and clean things up but most of the people in Terre Haute were on the take and also frequenting some of the body houses yes but this new rule did not detour the famous Madame Brown for she purchased a two-story 16-room house at 206 North 2nd Street which would not be east of 3rd Street that would be west of 3rd Street yes so it would be okay uh, a block mm -hmm. west and relocated her brothel there and that is the Circle R Hotel yeah the house located on North 2nd Street featured a total of 16 rooms, nine upstairs and seven downstairs, with two full baths downstairs and one upstairs. There was a music room complete with a grand piano, as well as a sitting room for Madame Brown, a second sitting room, a living room, and a dining room. And there was even a bar reclaimed from the forerunner of the Terre Haute House, the Prairie House. Ah, now, the Terre Haute House, for people who don't know, was quite the grand hotel in Terre Haute on 7th Street that by the time we were of any age had become derelict and empty and rumored that's where people went to take drugs and also be turned into vampires. I hadn't heard about the vampire thing, but uh, uh, okay. That was, I actually heard that later when I was working at the hotel at nights because we had a couple, the Terre Haute, uh, the, when would that be, the very late 1990s? sort of the vampire sub goth culture was getting a little bigger and i worked with a couple oh. and they even made a vampire coffee house and and that was the rumor now keep in mind this was about the time after it had actually been torn down completely oh, <laughs> so, yeah yeah we just too bad we missed it we could have became vampires there and i'm thinking that's cool i can see where you get that but no no hey, but so anyway the Terre Haute house which is where, where we where we got tangented Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to take a quick drink, too, because I just fucked up the word. I don't know. I said tangential. I don't know what the past perfect future tense of tangentializing would be. I don't know. So anyway, Tarot House, gorgeous hotel. Precursor for it was the Prairie House. And that is where the bar was used that was reclaimed from Madame Brown. Ha! <laughs> yeah, there you go. Woohoo! <laughs> Full circle. Yay! Full circle R. <laughs> So, to continue, yeah, <laughs> Madame Brown had a special male friend, the gender male, not 
post office, prominent local furniture store owner, there we go, Yes. who presumably helped her financially and with the furnishings, uh-huh. where no expense was spared for this pleasure palace inside or out. The outside of the business featured a low raw iron fence and a Tiffany stained glass canopy hanging over the entrance. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what was this gentleman's name? Uh, do not know. That seems to be a um, keeping his name out of things. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. I do. I do believe this gentleman was married. Uh huh. So, moving on because I don't know. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Madam Browns is not your ordinary brothel. She took the absolute best care possible of all her working girls. Uh, one local man remembers her place. And, and keep in mind, a lot of these come from the, the, the folklorish friend of a friend type of and, and anonymous type of, yeah, I'll tell you the story or, you know, whatever. Or by the time it gets from one place to another, the names are dropped and it's just a story now. Yeah. A uh, local man remembers her place was being very dignified and not body. Everything was for, formal and her working girls paraded in beautiful formal gowns as opposed to the very skimpy things a lot of the other Terre Haute brothels would do. Mm-hmm. The Circle R was a $5 house when others were only a dollar. $5 in 1916, uh, in 2021, because we don't have this year yet, would be $128, which actually, okay, some of my time at the hotel I worked at, and I, I won't give the name, because I, I actually knew a lot of the other night clerks that worked in the Terre Haute area. There yeah. was still a significant number of, call girls and escorts and i will tell you even 10 years ago 128 dollars would be a very inexpensive escort Hmm. if you don't go to 200 you're getting probably catching something and i if i remember right two to 400 was kind of typically the uh the i knew a lot to help my customers out (laughs) (laughs) and this stuff just fascinated me this still kind of fascinates me (laughs) yeah uh, and of course, being an overnight clerk at a hotel meant I could not afford any of them, but the girls tended to like talk to me and hang out. So I did learn some things. Now, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I learned kind of how the trade works and what they do. I did not get not hands-on instruction from anything. Uh-huh. Although I would like to give a special hello to <laughs> Didn't say I didn't go out with one of them. <clears throat> anyway. Uh-huh. <clears throat> And that's not without going into the massage parlor thing that was also happening in Ontario when we were younger. <laughs> uh huh. That you can listen to one of her older episodes and <laughs> get some of my background there. <laughs> okay, uh, where are we? <laughs> uh... we Circle R was a five dollar house. <laughs> yeah. When others were only a dollar. By the way, I have been checked. I am disease free. <laughs> <laughs> and some Saturday nights were formal nights. The male callers were required to be dressed in tuxedos before they could enter with dinner and champagne served at the cost of $25, which, I mean, that puts it up around 600. So yeah, you know, with dinner, champagne and a, a escort, that sounds more like normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madam Brown even hired photographers to snap pictures of her girls in dramatic poses. Her establishment quickly became known as one of the finest bordellos, not only in the Indiana, but also in the United States, but also worldwide. One nice. local, sol- yeah, one local soldier told the story of when he was away in the war. He walked into a bar. Foreign soldier sitting at the bar asked his hometown, and when he said Terre Haute, Indiana, the foreign soldier looked back and said, "Madam Browns." <laughs> but along with all the glitz and glamour, claimed p- plenty of riches. Madam Edith Brown loved money and loved spending it. She loved to flaunt her wealth. She bought the first electric car in Terre Haute. Nice. 
Yeah, keeping in mind this was when electric cars were actually a thing before gas cars were a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, first, I'm all good with green energy. When people complain about electric cars, that's what we started with. <laughs> yeah. She kept the charger inside her two-car garage. Mm-hmm. She always wore the best clothes and had her fingers covered in diamonds. And she even purchased, supposedly, the first radio ever in Terre Haute. Ah, cool. But life was not always luxurious. Prohibition hit, meaning no alcohol from Adam Brown's. Men uh-huh. had become accustomed to a drink or two when they visited the Circle R. The madam did not let Prohibition stop her and took <laughs> actions into her own hands. Brown and a good friend would get all dolled up. Her chauffeur would drive her and her friend to Kentucky to pick up some booze. And Edith Brown knew that no one would ever suspect her or her friend in her limousine as a rum runner. Mm-hmm. Which, quite honestly, I'm going to say they probably suspected and did not give a shit. <laughs> I'm sure all the people in Terre Haute knew you could go there and get a drink. Yeah. In 1927, Madam Edith Brown married local businessman and known rum runner George Edwin Eddie Gosnell. Um, okay, I'm, can I stop you there? Sure. My great-grandfather's name is George Gosnell. How old would he have been? He didn't marry um, Madam Brown, did he? We think they were cousins, that the two Gosnells were cousins. George and that this George? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because when I was doing genealogy stuff, it came up as George Gosnell, and I, I started looking around, and I'm like, wait, what? Who the wait? No, no, because he could not have been my great grandfather <laughs> if he was married to her. And I, I talked to my dad about it, and we we think it's we think they were cousins. Don't know. Well, here we'll get to something here in a second. Maybe this will be a thing. Give me one second to to the end of her little piece. Okay. And, and maybe this will help. Um, so she, but that 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 is interesting as fuck. By the way, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> see that's that's why i was not you know totally unsurprised or you know uh, unknowing of who this was when you said you wanted to do an episode on her i was like oh yeah yeah i've read up on her <laughs> but, but go ahead go ahead because now i have something else to add did you, go ahead <laughs> did you bone up on madam brown <laughs> <laughs> um anyway <laughs> anyway uh, so uh she married local businessman known rum runner george edwin eddie gosnell Owner of the Springbrook Rod and Gun Club, now known as the Terre Haute Rod and Gun Club, which is on the border between Vigo County, where Terre Haute resides, Mm -hmm. and Park County, where Jody and I grew up. It's right there on the county line road where I've been for a wedding reception, and I didn't go, but proms sometimes happen there. I've been there a couple times, so there's a little piece of running brothel history that I got to go to a couple times. Yeah. Business boomed until 1942. Terre Haute was scheduled to become the home to two defense plants, and government officials came to the city and threatened to not build the plants as long as the red light district existed. Yep. So finally, city officials <laughs> outlawed prostitution because finally enough money was coming in that it was outweighing the kickbacks and everything else. So Madam Brown went out of business. She retired, turned the Circle R Hotel into an apartment building. She left. Never looked back, eventually bought a home in Sarasota, Florida, where she was joined by Eddie every winter until she passed away in 1956. So, says they got married. Maybe they didn't. Whatever the case was, it sounds like he stayed up here and visited her every winter. So, maybe you should ask to see if he took long trips. Uh, well, the, uh, they're, because uh, I, I, okay, I'm looking at his find a grave stuff. 
and the the birth dates don't match my great grandfather's. Oh well, in that case, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, according to this, he died in Sarasota, but he's buried at Roselawn Cemetery in uh, Terre Haute. That's anyway, That's cool as fuck though. I yeah, I thought so. I think you've even told me about this a couple times with other episodes and, and and just talking to me and every damn time you tell me i find it cool as fuck <laughs> <laughs> okay so she passed away 1956 so moving on to just a wee bit extra of a neat thing terra hope brewing company is one of the original nine commercial breweries in the u.s and is also the nation's second oldest i'm assuming yingling is, is the first uh yeah the, the original historic building and company name founded in 1837 or the foundation foundation of the brand Champagne Velvet is a beer that was brewed by them that's currently brewed by Upland Brewing out of Bloomington, Indiana. Yep. They also made a Bach. And, and I have, I think I've actually given that information in this podcast. So go listen to some of the old episodes on prohibition and stuff. Yeah. But man, I tell you that Bach, Sam, who has been on the episodes, mm-hmm. uh, the podcast, and, and I love that motherfucking Bach. And I wish Upland would take that and make it. You know who else loves uh, box? Chickens. Yeah. <laughs> their favorite beer. It's their favorite beer, yes. They do love a box. <laughs> <laughs> I generally would have let you give the punchline, but that's my joke. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't expecting you to actually give, let me give the punchline. <laughs> Nobody expected. Wait, never mind. <laughs> oh, but yeah, as, as, it's not a doppel, it's just a box, but it's good. Anyway. In its current incarnation, it has brewed Madame Brown Ale. And, and here's their writing. Just like Madame Edith has a rich complexity that embodies style and elegance. This English, although it's an English brown, this English brown ale has a bready, toasty malt with notes of caramel, toffee, and a hint of dark chocolate, a bold malt flavor. The 5.3 ABV, it's easy to drink. Would you, would you like to know what I'm drinking right now? <laughs> yes, what are you drinking right now? I'm drinking Terrell Brewing Company's Madame Brown. Nice. <laughs> I've been saving one of the cans because, you know, I like Madame Brown in the can. <laughs> as a, as, until we did this episode. After that, as I think that's my last one. Till, well, I can find them in Indy. It's good. It's good. And by the way, the toasty notes, mm-hmm. kind of spot on there a little bit. I, I generally give the, give the same things. And that was before I made these notes. I actually had this well before I did this. But that's, that's what I have on Madame Brown. Cool. I've got something. I, I thought I just, you got punished selling for that. I, I did. I just sent you an invitation to a Facebook page about Madam Edith Brown. Well, cool. Where, where'd you send it? Oh, there we go. There on you Facebook. have. I sent it to you on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> well, was that it? Was that the other thing? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to tell you that there's actually a Facebook page about her. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. But are you ready to move on to the next one? I am. Yes. All right. Dolly Fawcett. From Dublin. Dun, dun, dun. Yay! In an episode about what our pubs would be like if we could make them anything, I, yeah. I mentioned that I call mine the Dragon's Rafters. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, although we'd probably put it under an umbrella of the, the Terror's Twin Pubs. <laughs> yeah. What's your, did you think of a name? I forget your name from yours. Fuck, I don't remember. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, How long I, ago I, was that? <laughs> Uh, half year long enough <laughs> maybe nine months really so yeah the uh, the months. blind shabin would have been my second choice a term that comes from dublin and chicago terms for illegal speakeasies yeah. but i do want to mention in dublin 
speakeasies were actually a step above Shabin's, and Shabin's were a step above Kip's, which was a term for places where he could not only get an illegal drink, but also find prostitutes, and in general, a rough and dirty place, likely originating from the Danish term Kip, with an E instead of no E, uh, for a cheap inn. Oh, okay. So with that as a background, a little more background, (laughs) (laughs) Dublin, and and you'll get the dates here in just a second, but Dublin, and most of these come from the 50s, uh, 19, of course, Mm -hmm. but Dublin had a red light district called Monto, derived from Montgomery Street, which is now called Foley Street, by the way, Uh with its heydays beginning from the 1860s until the 1950s, with up to 1,600 ladies working there at any time, customers from all classes low to high, and even the clergy. Nearby Uh British Army garrison certainly didn't hurt either. Yeah. Typically, the ladies of the night, called brass nails rather than prostitutes, were in their 30s, generally bedraggled, but could be quite cleaned, completely pox-ridden. (laughs) Kind of like Terre Haute, where you had the nicer ones at Madame Brown's and the not-so-nice ones at other places. Yeah. But many came to Dublin because they were kicked out of their houses by their families or just fell on very hard times because there weren't very many opportunities for women at the time, as we mentioned at the top of the episode. Yes. Some were sober, some drank a lot, but most would just manage a few drinks in the snugs at some of the seedier establishments. And as we've mentioned, snugs are like the little booth things that you go into where you're away from everybody else. And that's where the old women would also sneak in to get a pint because typically women at the time weren't allowed in the pubs. Which is, you know, funny because if you, if you go back far enough into antique, antiquity, women were the ones who owned the pubs. <laughs> and brewed the beer. <laughs> and brewed the beer. Down with the yeah. patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> the patriarchy? But I like pa- donuts. Ooh, ooh, patriarchy. There you go. <laughs> that's a, now that's something I can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Madame Brown. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I was looking at her picture. She was not an an unattractive woman <laughs> so <laughs> anyway two such kips <laughs> for the cafe continental and the cozy kitchen both run by dolly fawcett she ran these in the 1930s to the 1950s on north king street and bolton street respectively she was notorious but not in a bad way in fact she was very well respected a very attractive lady was married with two sons but her husband, Bob, and the boys, Vincent and Eugene, and their local pub was Slines Pub, which was a tea merchant and whiskey bonder. Yeah. <laughs> Slane, when the Slane family bought it, uh, but they turned it into a pub. And her girls would range from 17 to 30, according to oral histories of police officers and publicans and local pub goers. Mm-hmm. They'd charge around two pounds and take the Johns to a flat or just around to the back alley. They weren't high class, but Dolly did keep them clean. They were generally attractive, much more so than the other brass nails from other Kip Shabins. Her son, a noted bookworm by local publicans, even took over until they were closed down in the late 1950s. Hmm. Because by then, Dolly had left for England upon discovering that she was dying of throat cancer, although she did live into her 70s. Okay. As a kind of little different thing than Madame Brown, Dolly was known as a kind and given, and not that Madame Brown was known as unkind, right. but she liked to flaunt her wealth. Dolly was a giving lady. She'd help out those who needed it in the neighborhood. In fact, so much so that she became a part of the community that the police would just generally ignore her because she did so well with, with helping everybody. Cool. 
in fact, we talked about uh, Al Capone a little bit, how in Chicago, a lot of people looked at him as a folk hero because he would yeah. make sure people got fed sometimes. Yeah. Her business was abutted by a piggery run by the O'Neills. The owner said that so many used condoms were thrown over the fence that the sows <laughs> would eat them and that the little pigs would be born wearing rubber coats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> You might read that Dolly's house drink was called the Red Biddy, a mixture of red wine, methanol, poutine, which is Irish moonshine, and yep. whiskey. That sounds good, except for the ethanol. Well, uh, me methanol. Did I say ethanol? Methanol. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. You said methanol. Yeah. Well, still, either still, way. Yeah. That doesn't sound like. <laughs> I think I'll pass on that part. But uh, yeah, otherwise, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, it does. But, and many kids would use that to put a man under so the women could just steal their money. And it does sound like this would do the uh, do the cheap trick. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone insisted Dolly would have nothing to do with that, that you go to her place and you get a drink, which is more expensive than a pub because you could get it at all hours instead of pub hours uh -huh. and perhaps meet a girl for a bit, but she would never harm a guest. So I'm thinking that if she had a red bitty, it was probably just more of a red wine with some whiskey. Ah, that, you know, she, she didn't roll the she didn't roll the Johns. Yeah. And if you want to listen to some of her exploits and in general, uh, the area of Monto, you should listen to the Dubliner song, The Marrow. Marrow. M-E-R-O. Oh, okay. And in a recent episode, uh, which one was it? Oh, uh, a Robbie Burns episode that as we record comes out in a few days. <laughs> so, so Wait, didn't it come out Friday? Did it? Oh, it did, didn't it? Yeah, it came yeah. out two days ago. That's right. Yeah. That was a derp moment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so just came out. Uh, so this one will be out in a couple weeks. So yeah, uh, I, I mentioned P. St. John because he had a little quote on Robbie Burns. Mm -hmm. P. St. John in the book, Jesus Wept. And I'm not saying that with an accent. It's actually spelled Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> mentions there was some poetry. So if you'll allow me. I will indulge you. Yes, go Thank ahead. You. There was Chase the Horse wheeling and old Jostatoni on his two-saddle bike, black market on wheels, into stickfoots of Church Street and the old hen and chicken. With the initial news, Molly Sonics was dead. Then came word Dolly Fawcett had joined her. Ones were mourning and Eugene playing taps for the ladies of Dublin who made life, life half worth living. They carried no stories and didn't draw maps. Yeah, there's, there's more, but that's other people. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he, he mentions uh, Dolly Fawcett. Cool. Those are different, but that's okay. And actually, there's another little quatrain here that I'd like to read because it has nothing to do with Dolly Fawcett, but it is a nice little take-up of um, some historical asshats. Uh-huh. Strongbow got the scabies. Cromwell got the pox. The tans got something similar found on the docks. Anyway, I that is because it makes fun of Strongbow, an asshole during when Cromwell came over and makes fun of Cromwell and the black and tans. Anyway, that's what I have. Cool. That was that was interesting and informative. <laughs> Yay! So <laughs> what we like to be, and, and maybe part of family history. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and like an upcoming episode and past episodes, we are like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where even when we're wrong, we're definitively wrong, and are better at more being more definitive than life itself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you have anything to add, my good sir? Um, no, I think I've already added everything I was going to. <laughs> All of it appropriate. Most of it non-rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>. I tried. <laughs>
Well, on that note, I am I am good. Uh, me too. This beer's good too. I thought I'd maybe even get to one of my Guinness to go with the Dublin, but I'm just now finishing up Madam Brown. Ah, cool. Yeah. Well, we'll I'll let you go. I'm going to finish my Madam Brown. Best $5 I ever spent. <laughs> I, I recently finished my old engine oil engineer's reserve. So, yeah. Awesome. Before we go off on another tangent. Yeah. I'm James. I'm Jody. <laughs> and follow us, rate us, review us, share us, and then come back next week. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he's James. <laughs> and he's Jody. <laughs> we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. I'm beginning to see why you have uh, high blood pressure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to uh, <laughs> trying to chill out a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, I got mead. That was good. Cool. <laughs> that helped settle me down. So and and I bought another bottle because I drank the one I have. Ah, crap! I don't remember what year it came out. Steve Martin's movie The Jerk premiered in Terre Haute because in uh, uh, a 1978 interview with Playboy, he called Terre Haute Nowhere USA. But uh, the new uh, did that. I was just taking a drink as you said you needed one. Perfect timing for dead air. Yes. <laughs> a short review would be, it's good. <laughs> That's the best review. Really? Yeah. Do I have another one? What the fuck do I have this one for? I don't know. Nelson lost his pillar. Goffy lost his head. King Billy was blown off his horse. And the old queen mother said, you're no Eddie Mackin. Get up on her again and have a banana for Lady Diana and up the furry Glen." <laughs> <laughs> up the furry Glen. Furry Glen. I'll have to remember that. Furry Glen. Because, yeah, that's obvious what that's talking about. By the way, speaking of lanes mm -hmm. and prostitutes, uh huh. down in Cuckoo Lane, there's a woman in red garters. Down in Cuckoo Lane, say hello to Hector Gray. Would you risk it for a biscuit or a coddle made on porter? Down in Cuckoo Lane, fall a lot of day. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh-huh.